Hello and welcome to the season finale of our Mid-Atlantic Pick 4 shows, linking four races, usually turf races, between Monmouth and Colonial Downs. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornital, coming to you one uh, last time for this season from the Little House on the East Side in Saratoga. And joining me, as they have for most of these shows, we bring in a, a tandem of racing analysts. We'll start with a woman who you have seen on your television. If you've been watching the Colonial Downs feed, does a fabulous job as well covering that meet and so much else on her social media. Jessica Paquette. Jessica, what's going on? You know, we're getting ready for our last week. It has been a terrific season. I can't believe how fast it's gone. I say season finale, but of course I probably will bother you at least on the plus side for uh, some information about Tuesday's car at Colonial, which is something people should be looking forward to. It's Virginia Derby Day, and you are never a bother, but it is a fantastic card, so I'm looking forward to talking about it. Excellent, excellent. So yeah, we'll get that. We'll run that back as well, uh, probably on the plus side. Yeah, we're going to do that on the plus side. I've just made the final decision right now. Also, <laughs> I will pencil you in. Thank you, thank you. We'll, well, yeah, we'll do that Tuesday morning, maybe. Oh, well, at your leisure. You'll tell me. We'll do that production meeting outside the show, which is something I also have to do with this next guest for uh, recapping. We're not going to go on any tangents about Saratoga on, uh, on Saturday, but boy, there's going to be a lot of stuff to talk about, and there's still two more big full days at Saratoga to come. But he doesn't just look at Saratoga. He looks at any time there's horses running in a circle pretty much, especially if there's a good opportunity to bet on them. You read his Naira analysis over at InTheMoneyPodcast.com. You hear him on these airwaves. He is also a bit of a specialist at Monmouth at this point in his horse playing career. He's Nick Tamaro. Nick, what's up? Doing great, Pete. I had a bit of a spill last night going down the stairs, so I'm sitting with my ankle elevated. I would uh, definitely be on the vets list. If, oh uh, no! If such a thing existed, Did they have to put the I, screen I, up? I, yeah, not quite. They would have just shot it right off. I shouldn't say that. Um, <laughs> it was made for made for a fun evening, but luckily, what I was able to do was sit and watch college football all night. So you know, I'm still mobile. You made it work. You made it work, and the prognosis sounds like it is good. Oh yeah, we're getting better by the minute. All right. Race number nine at Monmouth is where we kick off this Labor Day special Monday Mid-Atlantic pick four. And we start with stakes action, which is kind of fun. We've got $100,000 in the pot for the Red Bank stakes, three-year-olds and up going one mile on the turf. Nick, we're going to start with you this week. Who do you like in here? You know, I think the two main players come from two barns that use Monmouth as a, you know, it's spot to sometimes bring horses back or get some class relief or things like that. And oddly enough, there are the two top barns at Saratoga as well, that of Chad Brown and Todd Pletcher. Uh, Winner's back is coming back off a long layoff for Todd and was last seen running in the UN last year where he, you know, clearly something went wrong. Perhaps simply chasing Tribuven around there was what went wrong. Todd's so good off long layoffs. And this horse seems as if he's been pretty active in the mornings. Wonder if maybe we can get some info about who he's been training with in some of these Saratoga drills that look like they're particularly impressive. He or Good Governance really should win on paper. Good Governance was up in time to win an allowance race over Ocean Atlantique and Eyes on Target. They were... uh, I believe the other two parts of the photo, one by Sanctuary City in, in yesterday's ninth race at Saratoga, both came back and ran quite well, and uh, and he got him right on the money. That was his first start off a short layoff. He's a horse who's really hinted at having great at state caliber ability, but seems to have, have had things happen at various points to derail him 
I think going to Monmouth enables him to continue to be treated with Lasix, which is something that they do in their stakes races down there. The balance of this field, interestingly, a lot of it is made up of stretched out sprinters. And and that that's just not my bag. I don't I don't take horses like that pretty much at all, mainly because the majority of them in here, like Belgrano and nothing better, um, Belgrano more so than nothing better is a horse who wants to come from a little bit off the pace. That's not my style to take those going along. I think the two favorites really tower over them. And I can tell you in the fixed odds market, we're going to be looking at probably $3 and $3.40 on those two respectively winners back a slight favorite. Interesting. Interesting. Well, that's good. Good info to have. And I'm taking a look right now at some of the horses that winners back has been working at from, from a source be better and gate runner are two of the names that I'm, that I'm seeing there. If that, if that means anything to you, Nick. Um, not terribly much, but I wish the company had been a little bit better, but it looks as if he's been working well. Yes, I would agree. Not looking at a, a, a workout report per se, but just looking at the times, it does seem like this one's going to be ready for the return to the races. Jessica, is this one as simple as uh, the two top in the market from those two top barns, or do you want to pull anything else into the mix? I may add one other horse in here. I mean, I think Nick really covered it. Good governance and winner's back both look like big standouts here. And I do give a little edge to winner's back coming in off the layoff, training so sharply for a barn that is really good off the bench. I did I did not love good governance's performance in Saratoga. Maybe he was just coming up short off the layoff, but I there was really nothing I, re- I liked about how he finished in the stretch. I am going to throw hot-blooded on my ticket. I think he's coming in off a of very good form. He should have some pace to run at here likes Monmouth kind of checks a lot of boxes there. I know he's, you know, uh, not always the most consistent, but his form this year is. Certainly a reasonable alternative. Would you look to be playing them kind of equally or would you try to grade them out a bit? I'm going to grade number nine hot blooded along with winners back as my a, and I'll put good governance as a B. Okay. Makes sense to me. I will record that for our plus notes. Speaking of plus, and we will go, Jessica, to your home track, at least at this time of year, the first of the the two colonial races we're going to talk about is race number seven. Scheduled post time for this one is 4.30. We've got $25,000 claimers, three and up, going a mile and a 16th on the turf. Jessica, how are we going to get through this leg? Colonial is home these days. Um, number four romp, going back to the flat after a really respectable recent effort over fences. This is an angle I chase all summer at Colonial, and sometimes it works out. I really love these steeplechase horses going back to the flat. Logically, they are fitter than their components. If you had to run two miles over obstacles and then were asked to run, you know, shorten up to a mile, it's the ultimate route to a sprint cutback as far as I'm concerned. He's also shown ability on the flat. He had back-to-back wins in 21, was like a consistent competitive kind of horse. Most of his efforts on the flat did come on the main track, but he's clearly shown that turf is no issue in these jump races. And again, the fitness and conditioning edge makes him, I think, really tough. I don't love um, much else in this race. Number one, Bryce Canyon gets a little bit of of a nod from me coming in for a tag. Needs to make a step forward off of mostly average recent form. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt that he's been catching some very tough fields. I think he'll be a little bit more effective here. But Romp is an A, um, Bryce Canyon's a B, and I... I'm hard pressed to make a case for anyone else. Well, there you go. I mean, it's nice to be able to get the uh, narrow in a sequence like this, Nick, let's bring you in any uh, further thoughts on race number seven. Yeah. I thought that uh, Bryce Canyon looked very interesting. I, I don't have any argument with the the notion that romp is going to bring in a fitness edge. Um, 
The other horse that I would find a way to use in there is Chess's Dream. I don't love that this horse tends to give up a, a lot of ground as a one-run closing type, but with all due respect to three life claimers to $25,000 level at Colonial, this is a pretty significant class drop. And and I do think this horse was uh, received one of the odd, rare Jose Ortiz aggressive rides last time out when he was forwardly placed, and I think that kind of cooked his goose. Maker's obviously four for seven at uh, at Colonial at this meet, so... I would use Bryce Canyon and Chess's Dream as A's. I would use Romp and Spurley as B's. I know I have kind of a thing for Spurley. Now he's going to the care of Mike Stidham, but uh, he does look like he's more of a maybe one rung below the major players in here. He just really never moved forward off of that big win at Sam Houston back in April. We'll head back down the Jersey Shore for their uh, their finale. This is the uh, the 10th race. I lied. I think I implied that it was all turf today. And this is a six furlong, $16,000 claimer on the dirt with a field of seven going postward. Nick, we'll keep it with you. Yeah, we're going to be dealing with a really heavy favorite here in the five, powerfully built, even money on the morning line, probably a little bit lower than that in the uh, fixed odds market or thereabouts. This is a horse who's first off a claim by Darian Rodriguez. This is a barn that does exceptionally well with claims. And uh, he showed an increased amount of speed last time out, dropping a notch in class. It's a horse that really had been running out of condition. Well, he'd been running within condition. They were just trying a tougher condition prior to his last start when he dropped down to the one other then. And he rewarded his prior connections with a pretty strong effort. Mitres Porciento, who was second, is a a top-notch claim, high-level claiming, low-level allowance type. So... I think Powerfully Built will be awfully tough. It does look like he's more than likely the controlling speed on paper. He might have Fox Red to deal with early, but should sit outside and power past that one when ready. Auburn Hills is the other one for me. This one's always been owned by Bonnie Lucas, Wayne Potts Connections. That's how you had a Randy Persaud trainee at two to one, two starts back at Saratoga, but now officially back with the Lucas Potts operation. Uh, just have to respect this horse's form, having faced better upstate. Five and six for Nick in Mammoth tenth race. What do you think, Jessica? Are you with powerfully built or against? I'm with. Uh, I think this may be one of those races where you take your lumps, you single the chalk, and move on. Um, for me, uh, first off, the claim for Darian Rodriguez is a really tough angle to get past. He was at Suffolk years and years ago when he first went out training on his own. He ran a very good operation then. It's been nice to see how that's grown since then. I think this one's just going to be a little too much horse here. All right, we'll keep it simple there for Jess in race uh, in the third leg of this Mid-Atlantic pick four. And then we'll head down to Colonial Downs for this two-year-old maiden claiming 25 event going a mile on the turf. That is also the pay leg in this sequence. Jess, speaking of that, how are we going to get paid? I have some strong opinions here. So number three, Wicked Kitten, is a fascinating horse. She, This horse has not had any racing luck. She was scratched out of one supposed first start. Then the next time she was supposed to run, we canceled that race due to the rain and then ran the rest of the card. And then in her next start, she was so professional and so good in the paddock. And then the second she hit the track, she dropped her jock and ran like three laps around the track, Um, evaded the outriders for a solid five minutes. And our outriders are very good. And she she just was, you know, having a good time of it. Uh, She clearly has shown she's fast. And I actually liked a lot of what I saw from her in the paddock that day. Big, good-looking filly. Looks like she'll really take to the turf. Looks like she definitely has the scope and stamina to go a mile. She barely looked winded when they finally apprehended her. So I think 12 to 1, if, you know, you might get some real value on this horse for people who don't know that she almost made it to the starting gate last time. That's interesting. That's good 
inside uh, view institutional knowledge on the three wicked kitten. Do you like anything to go with her? Or are you just going to try to hit this thing runner runner on the end? I think this is a race you, where you can go a little bit deep. And because my ticket was so lean, otherwise I feel a little comfortable going in here. Number 10, Armonia, just glorious female family on this horse. Um, his dam, uh, her dam, as the name suggests, is a full sister to Munnings who, you know, Munnings, Turf, Great Sire, all of those things. This filly's just bred up and down for the grass. I think she's pretty interesting. I also like number four, Momstown. She stretched out to a mile on the main track last time out. She was beaten as the favorite, but I think there's some upside going back to the turf, second time going long, and really caught a very nice runner in that debut effort, so I'm not holding that against her. We expecting there to be a few claims in for uh, the 10 runner Armoni in this spot based on that pedigree? Yeah, you, you would have to think that this horse has some value as a broodmare. One would imagine. Nick, how do you see this uh, final leg of the Mid-Atlantic pick four for Labor Day? Yeah, I suppose all the people smarting that they didn't get her for 15000 at auction might uh, might be lining up. It's funny, horses like this, you know, you, obviously the, the pedigree pedigree is very strong. Fipke breeds to race. This one, uh, I'm interested to see how they end up doing. I like Antonio Sano. Um, I thought that the interesting horses in here, other than Wicked Kitten, who obviously has plenty of pedigree, were, uh, I thought Faribe on the inside. I like Jimmy Creed's on the turf, more so going shorter. But this horse is dropping in class, gets in light, and has at least shown some speed. A lot of times, these really low-level two-year-old races, if one horse ends up getting it, they all sort of play follow the leader all the way around there. I thought the 9XY Lady was one I could make a case for as well. The Dam's exploits were all on dirt. She was a good horse, though. And this one is dropping in class and uh, and facing a little bit weaker. I think Sharp Azteca could end up being a, a sire that we see a little bit of turf production from. He was a Freud and uh, and there was some some turf influence down there. He's got a couple of turf winners already in his first crop. Yeah, they're Warner. running a lot better than I expected them to. To be honest, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I think I, I think I, it totally it totally eluded me for a long time until our friend Marshall Graham bred a horse to Sharp Azteca that a he was a New York bred and b he was a Freud. I just completely I think because of his trainer, I I was just so annoyed <laughs> with that horse and I didn't. You know, I didn't really ever pay him any respect, and I felt I so think smart I did when the I, same thing. yeah, when I bet Battle of Have uh, Midway in the Breeders' Cup, I felt so smart. And uh, but yeah, he's he's a Freud, and he's a horse that actually has a pretty decent damn side for turf. So I think we could see those uh, perform a little better. This is actually a homebred too, because he was owned by Gelfenstein. So we'll see if this one improves with the Lasix and the drop. One and nine was that? Were those your numbers there in the last race? Uh, I'm, I'll, I'll go one, three, four, nine as A's and, uh, and back up with the five and seven. One, three. Okay. So pretty spready to, to try yeah. to get out of this last leg for Nick in the mid Atlantic pick four. And you were, were you saying when you were talking about the sharp Azteca babies, Jessica, were you saying you were surprised at how much you liked them on looks or just surprised at the results they're getting on turf? I'm surprised they're running to be, they're running this well, to be honest. Yeah. They, um, and I've seen a couple of them at Colonial, and they're—I mean—they're good-looking, athletic, really well put together, well-developed youngsters. But I was not expecting them to kind of hit the ground running as they have. Yeah. You know, it's sometimes with some of these barns that have had some controversy. You wonder how how legitimate the stallions are going to be. Sure, sure, but horses will surprise you, and it's 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 such an inexact science, you know that that you. I think the results, I'll try to pull them up right now, but the, the results so far have been yeah, much stronger, I think, than the average typical cynical horse player would imagine given the, given the trainer 
Um, I've noticed them. I haven't actually looked at the stats, but I've just noticed them doing well. And oh, he's was, no, he's doing extremely well. I mean, this horse that everybody's talking about from Prairie Meadows is a sharp Azteca, right? Yeah, and and sharp as attack won the Tyro. Um, he's had a he's had quite a few horses run well. Those two are the you know are the main two. They're two stakes winners, but you know, uh, yeah. I mean, this is a this is a rabbit hole. But a lot of times, the quote unquote juice guys, when their horses get to stud, you do expect them to flop. But you know, he might be one that just maybe outperformed. I don't know exactly the right way to put it, but maybe it was a horse that had a little bit more there than than we ended up finding. And that was a good pull too on the Armonia only costing fifteen thousand at Keeneland September, despite the pedigree. So it definitely makes a lot of economic sense just to to start here in theory. Anyway, you wonder which book that was, if if that was just the kind of thing that slipped through the cracks, or if there's some sort of physical issue that made people not really look for the residual value out out of the gate. What would be your guess, Nick? I'm going to guess that this horse doesn't look like much. Right. Yeah, I um, bet she's kind of funny looking. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to guess that there's a hole in there somewhere, um, especially given that, you know, that, that Fipke sold her number one. I mean, and he's he's run basically everybody in this entire family. But, um, you know, she's th- that being said, as you're as you're alluding to, she has residual broodmare value. You know, the thing is, a small percentage of people who claim horses are looking at that angle of it. It's something that you will see from a few. But I think if she were able to, to break her maiden, if she was then in for, you know, 16,000 or something like that, I imagine she'd be pretty popular at the claim box. And here's the sharp Azteca numbers. I'm not sure when these were updated, but I mean, they're strong. 18 for 79 overall. That's 22%. The average is 13 or so. Firsters, 8 for 40, 20%. That's 2x the, the average and limited turf starters but winners three for 13 turf sprinting just one for two routing and it was a slower uh, race it came back at a 55 but yeah there, there's some real promise here for a five thousand uh, dollar stallion in sharp azteca anyway that's a really interesting little race and you know we're always talking on the baby talk shows about maiden special weights it's kind of fun to do a little bit of a dive into a, a maiden claim or some more bread and butter stuff here with you guys as we finish our analysis of the Labor Day Mid-Atlantic Pick 4. I wish you both Godspeed, and I will be talking to you both very soon. Good luck, everyone. Sounds great, my friend. Appreciate it. Good luck. We'll thank Jessica and Nick one more time. We'll thank Mammoth Park for sponsoring these shows, and we will, uh, we, we will thank all of you, the listeners, for tuning in. It has been a fun summer with this Monday racing action. That's going to do it. This show has been a production of In The Money Media. Our business manager is Drew Cotney. Our chief creative officer is Jonathan Kinchin. I'm Peter Thomas Fortetel. May you win all your photos. <laughs>